0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Change on the Run podcast, where we discuss common change challenges and ways to address them when you're short of time. And I'm your host, Phil Buckley. Today's topic is telling people what to expect. People evaluate how well things are going during a change based on their expectations. Setting realistic expectations is critical to the success of a change project. If they aren't clear, people will make assumptions based on their past experience or current knowledge and will become disappointed when they're not met. So how do you set people's expectations, including how they'll be impacted? What are the required readiness activities and timelines they need to accommodate to enable them to fulfill their roles? My guest today is Jesse Gold. Jesse, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Phil. I'm really excited to be here. I can't wait to talk about this to you and your listeners. Something I'm really passionate about.
0: Thanks, Jesse. Really appreciate you being here. Thanks for taking the time. Jesse is an IT leader with over 20 years of systems and project management experience in the telecom, marketing and communications, consulting, and private education fields. He's currently working as a manager at Rogers Communications focusing on process and rigor for the delivery and support of their business solutions. Jesse holds a BA in Sociology and Technology from York University, as well as numerous management and technical certifications. Jesse, what's been your experience with telling people what to expect during change?
1: Thanks, Phil. Telling people what to expect could go a lot of different ways. And it really depends if you're telling them with a really sort of heavy-handed approach or not. I would kind of phrase it as not telling people what to expect, but how to set and meet the right expectations. Setting and meeting implies action, and setting the right expectations implies due diligence and care in figuring out what you need to do.
0: From your perspective, engaging people and and getting them interested and perhaps even co-creating what those expectations are, do you have an example of, of how you do that?
1: So if you take that same phrase, how to set and meet the right expectations, there's a lot to unpack in that one simple phrase. There's a lot to take for granted. Number one, you have to know your stakeholders. Number two, you have to know your audience. And they may, may not necessarily be the same as your stakeholders. You may have a wider audience. Number three, you have to know what you're going to communicate and how best to get it across. And number four, you need to know the benefits, both for the company, for you, but also for your stakeholders. And you really need to take that customer view of that, whether it's an internal customer or an external customer. So there's a lot that goes into setting and meeting the right expectations.
0: When you're kicking off a large initiative, it could be a systems implementation, whatever, but there's so much focus on just planning and getting done and and showing progress that the setting and the engagement can often fall off the table. Why do you think that is? Because we know that's not the best way to do it, but so often we see us falling into that trap. What do you think is going on here?
1: I think it comes down to pressures and constraints. In a lot of cases, when you're talking large scale change, transformational change, there's real business criticality behind it. And sometimes under pressure, people don't necessarily set the stage appropriately. Sometimes people just don't know who the real stakeholders are. And they don't do an ideal job of mapping out the stakeholders up front. I used to work in IT consulting, there's a lot of short changing of planning and often documentation that happens. And those are some of the key critical success factors that will sustain you when things start to go out of control. I had a project, it was about a half million dollar project where we're building custom software. There were custom functionality with a custom backend and the customer was an external customer was spending half a million dollars on this thing and wouldn't spend the extra $20,000 to let us document everything appropriately for this amazing thing that we were building for them and it's that kind of short-sightedness that often due to pressures like time pressure and other constraints that can really hamstring a change initiative right out of the gate so I think that stakeholder management and communication are two of the most critical aspects of a change project especially as you go up the scale to larger changes.
0: I find sometimes setting expectations, like this is our roadmap, what we're going to go through, this is how you're going to change, day in the life, whatever it is, so that people can get their heads around how the world will be different for them. In the absence of setting those expectations, from your experience, have you seen something like that?
1: Well, so there's so many projects that I've seen, and we're subject to change too, even if you're a change leader. So I'm speaking now As somebody who's been subject to change as well as leading from change, and I've probably been subject to more change than I've led, one of the things that I think happens is you set the table, as you mentioned, and you set initial expectations within a group, and then lots of teams get busy and do the work, and inevitably, it goes into a black hole of change. There's all sorts of stuff that has to happen, and what's communicated out is either nothing for uh, 12 months or whatever it happens to be, or it's not super relevant to the people who are receiving those communications. And so the what's in it for me isn't there. And I think that's where things go off the rail. People set their own expectations, or they go, yeah, well, I've seen this happen before, or, or ignore it. So I think that Really, again, coming back to stakeholder management, but also being very intentional about your communication and making sure that you communicate progress and you balance the big picture with low-hanging fruit and small wins consistently across the project as best you can. I think that that's really critical. And it's not something that's super easy to do because there's a level there that has to ride straight down the middle between two banks of being two in the weeds versus too high level once you're actually started whatever the change project is.
0: From your comments, it's the setting of expectations going forward. There's usually a mixed story that there's some things we'll have to give up, which might be the customized software that we had in the past, but our utility and our functionality overall for the business will be better. But what I find is that sometimes leaders or, or even people like ourselves on project teams, we don't want to take away from the good story. So we're not really explicit. And as you say, intentional about the balance. So, Hey, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And and we might drop off the fact that there's some takeaways too, and then people experience it and, and they react. Have you ever seen that happen?
1: Yeah. And that's why I say setting and meeting the right expectations. You have to be transparent. In my current role, I deal with a lot of RFP responses. An RFP is an active selling moment, really, where you're sharing your capabilities to another group. So you have to be very intentional with how you represent yourself. What you really take away from an RFP response is presenting the whole truth with a bit of a lens of, well, this is the best it could possibly be if all the stars align. And I think that's a really good way to think about your change communication as well but you can't hide the fact that there's trade-offs and you shouldn't because realistically especially if you're going through like a large systems transformation or something like that there are groups that are going to be impacted and there are groups that may be impacted negatively the software for instance to your earlier point may not be as customized it may actually be more work for some of these groups and so you have to acknowledge that and refocus on the big picture. And even if things are going to get better, it's entirely possible that it's not going to be in the first phase. There's some course correction that has to happen or the automation that went away with tool A is going to take some time to bring back with tool B. And the more upfront you are about that and setting people's expectations, the less upset they're going to be because they know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that's really, really important. So yes, you have to remain positive, but you should be as close to what you expect the reality to be as possible while still focusing on the benefit.
0: It is a bit of pay me now, pay me later, being honest and transparent upfront, or if someone makes the decision of, hey, let's not share that and not be transparent. Not only do you, you get the concern and anger down the road, but you also lose trust because, hey, why didn't you tell this before? Projects do shift. You do have different realizations once you go through, whether it's blueprinting or even just moving through a a project plan where we know more now than we knew at the beginning. So things are going to be different. How do you frame that so that people see it as a natural progression in a way that's realistic, but doesn't cause that knee jerk? Hey, you lied to me or that's not what you told me originally.
1: That's a great question, Phil. And I've been thinking about this because I had a challenge with this recently. There's a lot of conflict when you butt up against an organization that isn't necessarily fully agile, shall we say, with you know a change project or elements of the business that have moved on to a quote-unquote agile delivery style. And you run into those exact same concerns, which is, if I don't know what I'm going to be delivering next week, how do I communicate to the stakeholders? Everything in an agile environment, really, from a communication standpoint, becomes reactive as opposed to proactive, unless you're very deliberate about your upfront. And I do think that there's a few things you can do to help mitigate that. One of them is that people are really hesitant to communicate process. And people are smarter than you give them credit for. So if we talk Mm -hmm. about ways of working, and we talk about the fact that this project is going to be delivered with this way of working, they don't even need to know exactly what agile is or how it works or anything else. But there's zero reason that you can't set the table with, There's a bunch of stuff that we need to do that's foundational. And you're not really going to see the benefits until the base of the pyramid is built. And then you can take that and you can communicate progress. And it doesn't have to be progress that's super detailed, but you can communicate progress. The foundational elements are 25% done. The foundational elements are 50% done. So you can communicate, hey, there's a bunch of features that have been built, and there's a bunch of features out of those 65 cool things that you're going to be able to do. We've released 17, and here they are. And then you speak to those, not in technical gobbledygook, but in terms of the benefits, the benefits Mm. to your teams or the benefits to your customers. That's one way that you can at least get part of the way there in terms of being able to communicate when things aren't necessarily 100% known.
0: I love your comment that people are smart. People will get the concepts or how we're trying to do it. I've never been disappointed with people's abilities to go, okay, now that you explain it to me, I get it. So how important is it to set the table up front? Because if people's expectations are, hey, we'll build something, but we won't necessarily be able to release it. But we do want to communicate when it's built because it's an important step. How important is that right at the beginning so that there are no shocks?
1: You absolutely need to be positive. You absolutely need to tout the benefits from the very beginning, get your supporters on side, all of that. And you also still need to find your quick wins and get something out early in quarter one or year one or whatever it is so that you can start to build that momentum. So you have something to sustain as you move forward. But I don't think that there's an issue going, it may go quiet for a bit, but that doesn't mean we're not doing certain things. That means we're plugging everything together with our old systems. You need to understand your business and how it works and tailor your communications plan to your business because you can't be dogmatic about it and you need to make sure that The way that you communicate is going to resonate and you're meeting your stakeholders where they are. If you're publishing information in a site off in the distance somewhere that nobody outside of IT or something is going to look at or see, you're never going to get the traction that you're looking for. And people, if they cared in the first place, are very quickly going to stop caring. And you're not really communicating progress. You're communicating progress in a vacuum. So you have to find your people and meet them where they are and meet them with the level of understanding and the amount of information that you need to provide that stakeholder group. And so your communications plan may become very stratified or varied. And that's not a bad thing. That's very likely a good thing, especially if it's a larger scale project.
0: Is there value in sharing the quick losses too? And and it's in the spirit of agile and test and learn, and this worked or this didn't. Do you think that there's an interest and a value of people when you said, hey, we did this experiment, it didn't work, so this is how we've adjusted it?
1: I think the amount of focus you need to put on your course corrections should be commensurate with the importance of the thing that needs to be course corrected. If you're talking about small things, I don't think it's necessarily the best idea because those things are only important or understood by a limited number of people. And if you pile up too much information on a bunch of small course corrections, you're going to very quickly tip the sentiment towards negative as opposed to positive. However, your question brings up a really important aspect, of communication as well in change, as well as in general, which is that it needs to be bi-directional. So one of the critical things that you need to do if you're going to manage change is make sure that you set up the appropriate feedback loops and ideally multiple feedback loops through multiple methods to pull information in, not just from hard data, but from various parties that are subject to this change or maybe impacted by it. That's super critical because you might do something and it might land like a lead balloon. If you don't build those feedback loops in, then you're never going to hear about that and you're not going to necessarily know that you should course correct And by the way, just because you get feedback from a bunch of people who aren't happy doesn't necessarily mean that you should course correct. There's a balance to be struck between the plan is the plan and also making small adjustments or course corrections to ensure that the plan proceeds accordingly, sticks, and that you're treating people in the way that they should be treated in the face of this change.
0: Are there certain expectations that are best suited for senior leaders, say middle managers or project team from your experience?
1: One of the things that's super critical, and I know you said it in your book, it's also in any change methodology you might choose to look up. You need to have that executive buy-in, that executive sponsorship, and the message needs to come from above and be aligned to what is being communicated from the bottom up. Without that, there's just a certain percentage of your audience that aren't gonna give it their time of day. So the big messages, the large scale benefits, the strategic messages, the reasons that you're undergoing this change, if it is a larger transformational change, need to come from that level. And then the more detailed stuff in the process come from the other levels. But one thing that's important is you can't just get that sponsorship or buy-in or leadership communication one time. If you're going to have a committed sponsor or committed leader, they're going to need to demonstrate it on an ongoing basis throughout the course of the project. If you have that, then people are still going to understand that it's a real live thing and that it's still an important important thing, because it's being communicated as such by the people who they see as important.
0: It is, isn't it? And, and I've had some experiences with the leader or the leadership team does a great job right up front. They're right on point and they're setting expectations and then they move on to the next challenge that they're faced with. And there's that leadership vacuum. Whereas I think as you said so beautifully, people question, is this important anymore? Should I be paying attention to it? Do you have a story where that happened, where people stop doing what they should be doing to the same degree of rigor because in their head, their expectation is the leaders moved on.
1: You know, I had an experience in my career where the leader did actually move on from the company, and this was during a time of change, and the net of it was the company very slowly fell apart. Mm -hmm. So things can go off the rails. I mean, that's, that's an extreme example. Things can go off the rails fairly quickly. In terms of an actual change project, it wasn't exactly that the leadership was missing. The leadership was still there. But the problem was what was being produced didn't match what was expected because Mm -hmm. the expectations weren't appropriately set or rather it wasn't appropriately budgeted and the scope was reduced significantly. So there was a disconnect between the table that was set and then what was eventually produced. And that led to a bit of a breakdown of trust. And so the uptake inevitably wasn't there.
0: What do you think is going on in the employee's minds when there's a trust loss? What goes on in their head and and how does that affect their behavior?
1: It all comes down to the what's in it for me. And so if you don't Set the stage when you're doing your stakeholder management and you don't do a good job of balancing the big picture needs with some of the lower level needs of the different stakeholder groups, then the what's in it for me simply doesn't materialize for a whole bunch of people that you may not even realize because you're so focused on the 30,000 foot view. So you end up with a bunch of disgruntled people when you're like, wow, look at this amazing change that I just pushed through. Finally, it doesn't stick because the people aren't seeing the benefits or they're disillusioned based on what they were originally promised.
0: What I've seen is an extension of that is if they take it personally and they think there hasn't been that breach, They don't pick up the new tool or they keep their old ways of working and it's just passive aggressive. I'm not going to follow along now because that relationship has been breached. And I I think it happens so often. Would you agree with that?
1: At the end of the day, the benefits may still be there, but not as pronounced. So people just start to take things with a bit of a grain of salt. I don't think you're necessarily going to actively get a revolt with pitchforks <laughs> and and torches, but people aren't going to buy in with their whole self. And people aren't going to give you the benefit of the doubt if it's not 100% what they expected either, because that's completely based on how you set the expectations but also how you treated them in terms of their expectations. One of the things that I've seen happen that was really disappointing is there was another, a large transformation of a system, brought in consulting firm, millions of dollars, and they went to town in terms of workshops with stakeholders. They uncovered every single rock and turned the whole company upside down and shook the pennies out of his pockets trying to get the information that they wanted. And I was a participant in this process and representing my group and feeding information into this machine. And then what came out the other side, it went into one of these black holes that we talked about. What came out the other side was zero of the requirements that I had fed in from the group actually ended up in the final thing. And wow. there was such a sense of disillusionment and the what's in it for me also became zero. So one of the things that I think also people need to be aware of with change, sometimes you have to pick your babies and you can't do everything for everybody or everything for everybody when you want to, you have to maintain a strict focus on whatever the scope is, and sometimes that gets reduced due to internal or external pressures. One of the things that's really important that may not be well understood is that once you identify a group as a stakeholder group, even if they're removed from the initial release, you've engaged with them. They still see themselves as a stakeholder group, and you have to treat them as a stakeholder group to some degree. Because otherwise, you're going to be inadvertently setting the wrong expectations. You're not acting. You're cutting them out. But inaction is a choice too. So you really have to double down on that stakeholder management and be aware that with onboarding also comes offboarding. And you may have to have some challenging conversations with some group leaders about why they haven't been prioritized and do your best to get them on side and also remember them for the next round and maybe try and make sure that if there's another phase to the change, that they become one of the quick wins in round two.
0: How do you communicate when the expectations have changed? And A couple of examples would be the timeline, it's three months delayed or we are changing the scope. From your experience, what's the best way to do that?
1: I think you just have to be upfront then it can be really hard because in many cases you might not even fully understand what these stakeholder groups do. That's why putting in the work up front with the stakeholder mapping is super important. You need to understand who these groups are, what they do, how they fit into the big picture so that you can come back to them and you can talk to them on a meaningful level, in a meaningful way, putting yourself in their shoes, bridging that gap and listening with emotional intelligence. And ideally, if you build in feedback loops, you'll have pre-information or some feedback already from that group, depending on whether what you've been doing to that point has impacted that group. So you can use that as an input as well. You just have to have the conversation. And again, like any difficult conversation, You focus on the end goal. People, or at least leaders, have all had the rug pulled out from under them at one point in time, have had their budget shrunk, have had this, that, and the other thing. Understand that hard Decisions have to be made, but if it's something that they need, they're going to stump for and fight for their piece of the pie or their people, because that's what they should be doing as leaders. So looking to find that common ground and looking to find that collaboration and speaking to people as people and not just, sorry, you're not in scope anymore, ya, becomes really important.
0: You've done so many of these large initiatives, and, and I'm sure small ones as well. When you're going into the, the planning phase and you get a, a better picture of what this is about and setting expectations, you had a sort of a short list of what do I need to set expectations on?
1: I like to go to Prince Project Methodology. It's not just scope, schedule, budget. There's also quality And most importantly, benefits. Like the whole time you need to have a a relentless focus on, are the benefits still there? Are the benefits still there? Are the benefits there for this group? Are the benefits there for the enterprise at large? And then there's also quality. And if you think about those aspects, you're probably going to get most of what you're going to need to communicate. I spend a lot of time crafting RFP responses or going through... RFPs, and it's all about communication. By and large, lots of companies and lots of people within companies are really, really good at producing super high level messages and getting really down in the weeds, producing spaghetti strand, you know, Visio documents that nobody can untangle as to how something's going to work. And it's really that middle level that what do I need to do today? Or what do I need to know today in between level that most of your stakeholders are going to need? I call it back of the box level information. You need a new printer and you're looking at all the printers on the shelf. You're gonna look at the front of the box and you're gonna see big, shiny pictures of the printers. And that's the kind of stuff that your change sponsors or your leadership need to bring forth. But when you actually need to figure out what printer you're going to walk away with. That's when you take the box off of the shelf and you flip it over and there's a picture of the printer on the front, but maybe there's also a a picture of the printer's back with there's a USB connection and there's a Wi-Fi connection. And then you have all those little call outs to the different features and you don't go into detail. It doesn't tell you how to submit a warranty claim. And it doesn't tell you how to set up the Wi-Fi. All of that stuff is for when you've got it home. That's procedural level. That's step-by-step activity level. You have to open the box and pull out the manual. All of that's for later. But what you need is that back-of-the-box information that just tells you what you need to make a decision. And that's the kind of level of communication that I think most of the folks need once you've kicked off a project and you've gotten into the production of the change and if you're doing change then you're also selling change so it applies tier two number one and number two are always going to be fit and cost if you're selling i'm going to mix metaphors here but if you're <laughs> selling shoes right it needs to be fit for use and needs to be fit for purpose doesn't meet my needs and then is it affordable and on a change project affordability to a great degree, can be mapped to the level of pain of the change or the level of resistance to the change. But if you take those two, they're always going to be number one and number two in one order or the other. If you take those and you put them aside, then it becomes all the other elements and features that are the tipping point between making a sale or not.
0: Great to metaphors both of them. And, I, and in the spirit of, of change on the run, if you only had time for one action, if you were going to set expectations for a particular team, what would be the one thing you'd focus on that would give you the 80% results in 20% of the time?
1: I think because communication is so critical, I'm talking about a significantly large change. If you want a shortcut to success, making sure you budget for, and hire for, and embed communication resources into the change team is critical. And that could be documentation resources, that could be communication resources, that could also be, if you're talking, for instance, an IT change, business relationship manager, a BRM role, mm. to communicate back and forth between the various stakeholder groups in the company, keep them up to date and actively solicit that feedback in ways that you might not be able to with a survey. And if you can only do one of them, then it's the communication role.
0: Is there an insight, a watch out or a tip? The one thing you want to leave the listeners about setting expectations, anything comes to mind?
1: I'll give you another personal story. When my wife and I got married, we put a tip jar out, but it was not for money. It was life tips or life lessons that our guests had to give us. The one that really stuck with us, and this might sound cheesy, but always love, sometimes because of, but sometimes despite. And I think that you can take that concept and really map it down. Change is going to happen, and it's going to happen sometimes because of you and sometimes despite you. So the more prepared you are, the more intentional you are, the more accepting of that you are, the better you're going to be able to navigate your way through it. And on the flip side, the people that you are leading through a change are going to be led through that change. And it's going to be hopefully beneficial for them, but it's going to happen either because of you and their experience will happen positively or negatively, despite or because of. And if you treat them in the right way and you communicate appropriately and you set the right expectations, you provide those feedback loops and you treat them with respect, then they're that much more likely to give you the benefit of the doubt and view the change positively, even if it's not 100% what was promised at the start or maybe what they expected.
0: Great advice. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks so much for being on the Change on the Run podcast. Really appreciate your perspectives and your experience, which has been tremendous. How can people get in contact with you?
1: It was my pleasure, Phil. I really enjoyed the conversation. And people can find me online at my LinkedIn or at jessiegold.ca, which right now is pointing to my LinkedIn, or they can email me at jesse at jessegold.ca.
0: Great. Thanks again for being on the podcast. And thank you for listening. Please hit subscribe to get new episodes every two weeks. And if you're interested in these topics, check out the Change on the Run book or audiobook at your favorite bookseller. And until the next time, I wish you all the best as you continue to lead change.